Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers. Hello, and welcome to our podcast on energy storage in Greece. I am Sally-Ann Underhill, a partner in our transportation group and co-office managing partner of our Athens office. I'm joined today by Dimitris Asimakis, a partner in our Athens office and an expert in the renewables and clean technology sectors. Hello, Sally-Ann. Hi, Dimitri. First of all, I will say what we are not covering. We're not intending to discuss LNG floating storage or even the use of tankers generally as floating storage, but rather to consider the storage of power generated with the use of renewable sources of energy. So, Dimitri, when we're talking about renewable energy, what are we really talking about? What do we mean by renewable energy? Yeah, renewable energy often referred to as clean energy, as we most of us know it comes from natural resources or processes that are constantly replenished, meaning that in practice they are inexhaustible. So it is the most natural way of producing electricity power. Okay, so we're thinking about things like winds, farms and... Yeah, so right, right. The The most common and most, let's say, predominant technologies that we are having for many decades now and I would say centuries though, that is wind, solar. It's, you know, it's very common, especially in South Europe, as it is the case in Greece, hydro, use of hydro, uh, biomass, biogas, landfill gases, lately hydrogen, which is becoming more and more interesting. Tidal ocean energy, for instance, in the UK, you are having Uh, which is wind, but okay, offshore wind, which is use of the powers of the wind in the oceans, and uh, plenty other technologies and processes that uh, we, uh, you know, in the years to come and uh, exploit further, such as geothermal power, for instance. Okay, so great. So very much thinking about the future and thinking about carbon neutrality and all those sorts of things. So. When we have, for example, off the coast of the UK, all of our wind farms, explain to us why does that energy that's created need to be stored? Can you explain to the audience why it cannot just be used as it's being created? Yeah, it has to do with the nature of most what we are calling the mature renewable technologies, such as wind and solar, mainly, which are viable in the sense that we cannot have a constant uh, availability of the power that they are producing because they are dependent on weather, mainly on weather. So, and this creates an issue because it really contradicts the golden rule of a power system, which is that demand and supply should be well balanced. So in practice, a wind power project, for instance, it can produce energy when the the wind blows, but it does not produce uh, power when you know there is no wind, and vice versa for the solar when there is irradiation, sun irradiation or not. 
So the theory behind this is that, and you know what, what the technology and the market is trying to, to cope with is that they are trying to find a golden balance between the rather non-predictable profile of variable renewable technologies and and the other hand of demand. So when there is a lot of power produced by renewable power plants and there is not so much high demand from the consumers, so in theory, this could be practically stored and then used when there is an overtake of demand over uh, production. And this has many, many implications in terms of environmental benefits and, of course, price fluctuations and grid stability objectives. And it's not just that, you know, we store the energy in order to use it in the times that we we really uh, need it, but it's more more than this. Yeah, no, I see. Okay, so that... That means, though, that when we're starting to talk about storage technologies, there seems to be plenty available. So you've got, I suppose you could go from things like pretty old fashioned things like perhaps batteries and fuel cells and hydroelectric even pumping through to things which seem quite novel to me, I suppose, like mechanical energy storage and electrostatic energy storage. And it seems that these all potentially have different roles. So sometimes you might need a lot of energy at a slow rate over a long period of time. And other times you might need a lot of power sort of immediately and urgently. So do you think that in terms of in Greece, perhaps it will depend on the fact that I imagine a lot of a lot of the power in, in Greece could perhaps come from the sun. But is there some intention that you'll have all of those different forms of storage, do you think, or that some will be making way for others? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question in terms that, you know, what we are seeing is that although it's not a very new technology, storage, energy storage technology, you can see that there is a diversification of different solutions there. So in broadly, we have four broad categories. I would say that we are having chemical, electrical, electrochemical, and thermal. So I would say for Greece, what what I'm seeing, I mean, from the investment projects that have been promoted by various utilities, sponsors, and funds, the predominant storage technologies seem to be pumped hydro, which is the oldest one, I would say, not only Greece, all over the world and electrochemical, which are actually the batteries, what we are calling the, and mainly the lithium ion batteries. So these are, you know, the two technologies that I'm seeing that are taking the lead in the Greek energy storage market. All right, so then in terms of what's happening in Greece at the moment, I understand that there are some success stories to share in this field. So you've got some hybrid hybrid projects on the Greek Aegean islands of Ikaria and Telos. And from what I understand there, there's a combination of renewable power production and the energy storage systems all together. So can you explain how they got off the ground? I mean, I suppose thinking about in terms of location 
and funding and also how they're being used? Yeah, correct. This, these are very interesting stories on both uh, these islands, these two projects, Tilos and Ikarea projects, uh, both supported by EU funds as well. And the selection of these two islands came due to the fact that they are far away from the mainland grid. So these islands are where the, the power plants operating therein were burning oil, which was, as you may imagine, a very pollutant fuel to burn in order to, to produce power. So the idea is that trying, you know, the, the, the sponsors behind these two projects, they were trying, you know, to, to make two demonstration projects uh, that which could be replicated somehow uh, as case studies for other ILADIC uh, systems within Europe or all over the world. So TILOS is a hybrid project in the sense that it combines solar PV, wind technology plus battery energy storage system, while uh, ICARIA hybrid project uh, combines wind with uh, pumped uh, hydro storage solution. It is the second uh, project in the world like this. There is another one in uh, on a Spanish island uh, called Elayero, if I pronounce it correctly. So these are two case studies, small-scale projects, but of uh, particular importance because this could be used as case studies so to have more projects like this, not only in the Mediterranean or in Greece, but all over the, world, the globe. Okay. So in terms of these are existing projects, and as you said, the idea was that they were really going to demonstrate, perhaps to the rest of the world, um, what can be achieved. Are there, are there any factors impeding the further development of similar energy storage systems in Greece? And if so, what are they? Yeah, so far, I would say that uh, besides these two small projects that they have been developed lately and they have some tremendous results so far, and, you know, these are case studies, but case studies, successful ones, the necessity is to go for uh, bigger systems, energy storage systems. And this, of course, necessitates a well-structured framework and support scheme, which are both lacking we are still behind there, although the Greek government that, you know, there are some policies in the pipeline in order to promote, to streamline the licensing of energy storage systems and support them through funds. Because the issue is that these are, although there is a considerable drop in the, in the cost of this, of the energy storage systems are still, are considered, you know, rather costly, expensive. So, there is a need for uh, support, economic support, I mean, up to a certain extent, of course, and uh, a very well-defined, well-structured and rather simple uh, licensing framework, which is still an ask for the, for the Greek market. So when you say that it's behind, is that behind in, in terms of comparisons with the rest of Europe or the rest of the world? Yeah, I would say yes. Okay, although energy storage is not quite a very well-established market in the world, but okay, of course, in other in the US, for instance, or in, in other European markets uh, such as the UK market, 
we have seen that there are energy storage projects that have been promoted for some years now. But I would say that if we take the European Union as a whole, uh, energy storage is relatively a new thing. So you may see that okay, there are some pro there is a there is a certain progress and development in uh, certain markets such as the UK market or the German market or even the Spanish market, but most of the other EU uh, markets are somewhere where Greece is. So you know they start now considering to develop the energy storage uh, in their systems and set up coherent frameworks and support schemes. So I, I don't think that really Greece has lost, let's say, the something there. So it's it's the right time now that you know the, the Greek government, the Greek authorities, they are trying to set up the framework. Okay. And that leads nicely, I think, onto starting to think about what the potential benefits are to Greece of promoting energy storage systems. I mean, what would you say would be do you perceive as being the greatest benefit or, or are there many benefits? Yeah, I would say that the benefits are, okay, I will speak for Greece, of course, but you know, all these benefits are similar to all other countries that are developing and promoting energy storage. First of all, the Greece is coming with a very ambitious objective for uh, its green, uh, trans for the transition of its power sector at its energy sector in general towards a greener future so the greek authorities they have a pledge to stop the production the power production from uh, coal-fired power plants uh, until 2028 so the idea is that there will not be any coal-fired power plant uh, within the years within in a short period of time and we are having some uh, very ambitious uh, goals as a country in terms of uh, the share of the renewable electricity in our power generation mix by 2030 and beyond. In order to achieve all these ambitious targets, we have to add a lot of new renewable capacity in our system. Uh, right now, the government is revising the National Energy Climate Plan in order to result to a more aggressive target for 2030. It is expected that we will need as a country more than 20 gigawatt of new renewable capacity by the end of this decade, which is a big number, if you, a very considerable figure, if you imagine that right now we are below 9 gigawatt and we have to install another 20 gigawatt by the end of this decade. So in order to achieve all this, goals uh, for the share of uh, the renewable energy in our power generation mix energy storage is indispensable so we need energy storage and also it will because it will facilitate all not only the addition of new renewable capacity but also the commercial operation of the renewable projects because it will make sense it will create more room for uh, economic and uh, development uh, deployment of new projects and there is a pl the pledge. I mean, recently, quite recently, the Minister of for Energy announced that they are considering a new framework in order to promote the licensing, the support of energy storage systems in the country. They are planning to launch an auction 
for uh, up to 700 megawatt of battery storage systems within the year, within the 2022. It seems that they have also secured some funds from the recovery and the resilience fund from the EU up to, if I'm not wrong, up to 200 million euro in order to, to provide uh, grants to these systems in order to, to help them, to support them. Also, the Greek power market model was changed in uh, last November. So we have a new, let's say, market model, which enables also in the future the, the commercial operation of energy storage systems in the various intraday balancing markets. Which, so what we are expecting apart besides the subsidized projects, the early projects which will be subsidized the late, uh, later on, there will be room for merchant energy storage systems. So energy storage systems, they may participate in the markets, in the power markets. So there, there is a, a lot of hope and a lot of potential in the Greek market, I would say, for uh, energy storage. No, that sounds very interesting because it sounds as though there is both an sort of an obligation being imposed on people to create or have renewables, but also it sounds as though there is some support then to have some energy storage for those renewables once created, which is obviously a nice balance. So you talked a little bit about like funding generally from Recovery and Resilience Fund and also merchant energy. So have you seen any appetite for private investment in this sector yet or do you think that's yet to come? Yeah, and it's interesting though because if you imagine that, okay, of course the policies, the EU policies are there. I mean, uh, storage energy, energy storage is endorsed by EU legislation. But if you imagine that practically there is not national framework, a coherent, a well-established framework for the licensing and support of energy storage systems in the country, somebody would say that, okay, the investors would really be interested in applying or developing projects once the framework is in place. But it's the other way around. I mean, until now, and these are these are data. These are data published by the National Regulatory Authority for Energy uh, in Greece that within the last two years, more than 180 projects, storage projects have been licensed without a framework, I repeat, without a framework. So this corresponds to a capacity, a storage capacity in excess of uh, 14 gigawatt, which is quite big. And this covers different technologies. The pump hydro storage that we mentioned previously, it, uh, out of this 14 gigawatt, it is about 3 gigawatt, while for battery systems, mainly lithium-ion, 9 gigawatt, and a bit less than 2 gigawatt for uh, renewable power plants combining storage systems, what we are calling solar plus or wheat plus uh, projects. So you see that there is a tremendous interest from the investment community, national entities, uh, Greek entities, Greek undertaking, Greek utilities, plus many foreign investors that they are looking into the, the Greek energy storage market. 
and they are ready to once the framework is in place to develop projects and start uh, building implementing these storage projects i would say that i would not expect that of course all this of 14 gigawatt will be finally implemented there is not so much room there and there are some uh, studies about how much of storage really Greece is needed up within this decade in order to cope with a very ambitious um, renewable uh, targets it has set. Uh, it is something like it could be something from two up to three gigawatt. So, but still, I mean, the interest is here. I mean, the investment community has really surprised us. I would say the market. It's always ahead of what the regulators or the policy makers are, are doing, which is interesting. Yeah, no, but it's great. It shows everyone's got real interest in it, doesn't it? So I think we probably need to tie up. But in terms of, I suppose, two things, I'll say, and maybe we could combine them. So if somebody were to be interested in, in investing in this or thinking about this, is there a key issue or just a couple of key issues that they should be thinking about? And also, at the same time, is there anything that you and your team or we as a firm you feel can particularly offer to anybody who's interested in this? Yeah, sure. So I would say that, you know, a, a potential uh, investor in the sector, in the Greek storage energy sector, should first of all make a very careful assessment of the regulatory landscape of course taking into account the new policies for the licensing plus uh, support of such systems once they are in place they are expected actually to be in place within the coming weeks or months or something like that so it's not they will not expect so much uh, they will not wait so much also to make an analysis of the Greek power market's potential in the years to come, up and beyond 2030, but also they can make a careful assessment and analysis of the countries of Greece's ambition to become an exporter of Greek energy in the region. And this is also backed with a very ambitious plan for new international electricity interconnections of the country. I mean, the Greek TSO right now has a very big investment program for uh, either upgrading the existing interconnections with the neighboring countries, but also uh, for the building, for the implementation of new interconnectors with Bulgaria, with Northern Macedonia, Albania, Turkey, Italy. So the idea, the aspiration, I would say, this is the vision, the strategy, the medium to long-term strategy and vision of the Greek of Greece is to become, at least in its region, in the Balkans and Southeast Europe, an exporter of green energy. So all these parameters, they have to be taken into consideration. So to see the careful assessment needs to be made there. And as we said before, previously, there are so many investments which have been already licensed, more than 14 giga, although the system may need something like up to 3 giga, gigawatt. So all this needs to be taken seriously into consideration before somebody takes the decision to, to invest in this sector in Greece. And here comes our role that 
you know, we have a very well-known, uh, dedicated uh, energy practice in the Greek legal market. Uh, our people having combined experience for more than 35 years in the Greek renewables uh, sector. Of course, our team is an integral part of our uh, global energy practice. And, you know, colleagues and offices, practices within our global network, they are involved in similar projects in several storage, uh, energy storage projects around the world. And this is a very important element and, you know, offering that we are having that, you know, we are part of a global network of energy practitioners with which are exposed, uh, who are exposed in uh, very high level, high profile transactions. And we gain experience and know-how from our, our network. And I believe as the industry advances with cleaner and more cost-effective technologies, our team and our firm will continue to work with its clients to help them lead the way. They definitely agree. So thank you very much, Dimitri. That was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Salian. Thank you very much. Great to see how much is being done and also the ambitions that Greece has, as well as the help that it's, it's giving to ensure that those ambitions are realised. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher and reedsmith.com and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved. 